Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, folks. Rob Hessler here with another episode of Art on the Air, my weekly Savannah Morning News special here at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. Thank you for tuning in. Another awesome episode lined up. I spoke with curator Antonia B. Larkin about the exhibition Revival, a call for radical care that she put together. Now, what's really cool about this, too, is it's an exhibition over at Sulphur Studios, but it's also an on-view residency and a program that she's doing with kids to get them to express their feelings regarding things like self-care and their emotions. So it's a really interesting and thought-provoking piece of curation and art collaboration that I think you're going to really enjoy hearing about. Wanted to mention, of course, as always, you can catch past episodes of Art on the Air and my corresponding Art Off the Air column, as well as all of the writing that I do here for the Savannah Morning News at savannahnow.com in the entertainment section. Let's get into this week's interview. Again, Antonia B. Larkin talking all about the exhibition that she curated, Revival, a call for radical care over at Sulphur Studios. Enjoy. Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers here with Art on the Air Field Notes. We're speaking by Zoom with Antonia B. Larkin, the curator of the current exhibition over at Sulphur Studios, Revival. A Call for Radical Care, a National Call for Entry Exhibition. Now, Antonia, there's a lot in that title, actually, that I kind of want to get into. But rather than kind of pulling everything apart right to start, in your own words, describe what the exhibition is, first and foremost. Well, I'll start with what sort of inspired the exhibition. So I noticed with COVID and with all the protest that the facade that we had all been like living under bubbling, bubbling, bubbling and came up to the surface Mm -hmm. and people, a lot of my friends were starting to like, like self-care has been a thing for the past few years, but a lot of my friends were starting to like look more inward because of isolation and because of just trying to navigate this, you know, navigating isolation and navigating all the emotions that come along with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the countless others mm-hmm. um, who have died to, you know, because of violence, police violence. I just wanted to like give artists a platform to be able to like visually communicate what care looks like and the process and just like showing that we're all like sort of here at this like same place, just trying to figure ourselves and our communities out. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that's an interesting thing. Like, so let's talk about that term because I, I, I'm, I'm sort of fascinated by that because it's not just self-care that you're using. You're not, that's not the descriptor. It's radical care. I mean, and I think that that's sort of an interesting decision there because it implies sort of an extreme or it implies something so different than what we're normally thinking of when we think of self-care and you're right i think like in recent years i think there's been more of like an acceptance of you know it's okay to take care of yourself Mm -hmm. but what does that mean to you what does those words specifically mean to you like radical care and and how does that differ do you think in your mind for like sort of an ordinary self-care so ordinary self-care i think of um parks and rec like treat yourself (laughs) If you're, like, <laughs> I love that. Go shopping, get your nails done, get a, you know, whatever, which are things that are very important that like, you know, help us like, you know, get through. But I radical care is more like, let's deprogram the way we interact with each other and the way we interact with ourselves, the way we view ourselves and like reconnecting with our ancestors, listening to our bodies more at listening to our thoughts more in a healthy way. But no, and I think that's, that's radical. Reversing our like buy into the ways that we have um, exercised care in the past. Well, look, so you talked about, you just mentioned right now, like reconnecting with the ancestors. This mm-hmm. is something that I think is fascinating because recently we, Gretchen and I interviewed uh, an artist and co-founder of, of the Art on the Air radio show, actually, David Laughlin. And he has some Cherokee blood. He, during the pandemic, he felt like, and he was kind of describing this when we were interviewing, how he started feeling like he had all this time and he started like reconnecting with his spiritual side. So he started creating artworks that they're called low country spirits, but it's like, he's like letting himself connect to something that he kind of had pushed away like our normal just like going through the process of daily life was not allowing for him really to connect with that and I've had some of that and when he said that I was like you know what I've been kind of having that experience too it's like because we have so much time with our own thoughts and like by ourselves and sort of time for reflection I mean I know as an artist I like I've totally reevaluated like what's important to me as an artist and I imagine that there's a similar situation for you like as a curator like what is even important to show like what are we even like what are we doing like this was a perfect opportunity for us to like you said sort of shake up those norms and like look at things in a different way yeah so a lot of times like before COVID happened I want to see work I'll see like the artist's name and if they like you know are in a certain level um, I'd be like, yeah, I really got have to see their work and not necessarily even like it, not necessarily having to even me, be me like <laughs> intensely like connected with like the themes that go along with their work. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, oh, this thinking of like this person, I don't know. I wanted something that just like brings us closer to like each other and ourselves, even though we're like all very isolated I'm getting, I feel like I'm getting away from the question. No, no, that's okay. You know, it's kind of like, I, I could, this is one thing that I was thinking about is like, you know, like when there's a, when they say like when there's, when they're giving you the safety instructions, when you're getting on an airplane and they're like, put on your mask before you put on someone else's mask. 
Even if it's a child. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it's a child. Right. And so like, I kind of think about that. It's like, we spent, we spent so little time like concerned about like our own health and well being that it's like, and, and the fact is, is like when we are healthy as individuals, we're actually better to those around us, even though like that's sort of counterintuitive that like we should spend our energy helping others first and foremost, but to actually it works in the other way around. And that's kind of what I, when I was thinking about this, I know that that's sort of a silly analogy, but I was thinking of that a little bit, like put on your own mask first. And of course, like there's sort of a, you know, a symbology there because of like, we're literally wearing masks right now. You know what I mean? And that shows that you care for other people as you're putting on a mask, you know, to prevent the spread of sickness to others. But I don't know, maybe I'm off on some weird tangent here, but I, I just, I thought about that when I was reading the kind of background about this exhibition. Yeah. Um, there's a Trisha Hershey, who is the, the Nat Bishop who runs the Nat ministry has mm-hmm. this, gosh, I can never remember anything verbatim, but a quote that essentially is like, in order to be able to like bring forth any change, you have to like rest. You have to take care of yourself mm. to be of any use. Well, let's let's so, dive a bit into that, into the map ministry stuff, because I think this is really interesting. Part of the exhibition is the OnView Residency pop-up gallery is having a... They talk about radical. Um, this is such an interesting concept, I guess you could say in general. And that's the NAP ministry site specific installation. And you mentioned um, Trisha Hersey and there is, it's talk about the liberating power of naps. I've just, I just love this whole thing. When I read this, <laughs> I was just like, this is so, there's something so wonderful about that. So, why don't you, for those who don't understand anything about what this is, explain what that is, explain what the NAP ministry is, explain what how this kind of all relates to the project in general. So the NAP ministry is, is based on the premise of like rest as reparations and like rest as a means to like care for yourself and to, you know, prepare your like I said earlier, like you need to rest before in order to be able to contribute um, in a positive way. And so she does these, she has all these really like amazing quotes in what's in the storefront window of Sulphur and the, the on view artist residency are posters that have some of her quotes, like rest as a portal or rest as a portal is a, one I can think of because it's the simplest, but in there, um, the posters are done in like sort of a runaway slave style and like, you know, the like propaganda posters or runaway, the mm-hmm. runaway slave posters from um, the antebellum South. But uh, it's all about like thinking about like capitalism and the way we like grind and work the, the American way is not working and we need to deprogram the way we consider how we move in the world and how we, how we treat ourselves and our bodies and um, how we treat each other. So it's a really beautiful organization. So I want to ask, when I first hear NAP ministry, I just, it just seems so playful and fun, and, but it's actually incredibly serious. It's very serious. And so do you know, do you have any idea of why 
one might say a more serious name wasn't picked. Is there a reason why it specifically mm. went with NAP ministry? Do you have any I'm, background about that? I'm not sure why um, NAP ministry was the, the name that she went with, but I will say she, it came about when she was in school and she was napping around campus. So that's what I know. <laughs> it's just so interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. I, I can't help, but maybe this is going to, date my age, but you know, there's a ministry of silly walks and then just <laughs> kind of combining that with this term nap because cat nap, it just seems so playful and, and jovial. And then all of a sudden you're hit with this just intense imagery. And it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting juxtaposition. It is, but also it, like, it gets you thinking that like naps are serious. Like there's something that we need to have more of. And it needs to be, it should be a part of our routine to rest. Um, and it's something that's very important. It is like, there is a silliness to the word nap, but we like, but our society created that silliness. Good point. That is a really, really good point. So you, you mentioned, you know, some of the quotes and stuff. Trisha mentions, you know, she, she mentioned the, the rest is resistance movement, which I think is really interesting. I also thought it was really interesting that she talks about how you can use memes and like social media platforms and Instagram as a quote, a tool to deprogram the masses from our toxic brainwashing of grind culture, which you've mentioned deprogramming and, and grind culture, which is a collaboration between white supremacy and capitalism. Okay. And again, like naps is sort of like, it doesn't feel serious or memes like it doesn't feel serious, but it is sort of true because we look at these things and they're easily consumable and like sim a simple meme can like totally disrupt thinking so quick. It can draw something to our attention that we wouldn't normally think of, or I don't know, it, it has power that you don't really think of uh, image and words like that, that are just like on our screen. Yeah. Have. You're like going through Instagram, looking at, you know, silly things, all sorts of things. And then this quote happens upon you and it just changes your day. <laughs> it happens upon you. That is a great way to put it because it does. Yeah. It's like with a meme, you know, we talk about you can just scroll past stuff. You can't really scroll past a meme though because it's so quick and it's the way it is. It's like you, you can scroll past a, a block of text, even if it's the most eloquently put powerful statement. It's easy to just, you can just be like, you know, we're all busy and nobody has attention span. So it's like, you just like, no, that's just true. I mean, you it know, is true. It's very true. You don't have that attention span. So like, it's just, you can go by that. But like a meme, which has got like, you know, one, two sentences maybe can have that like, boom, it catches you whether you want to be caught or not. And I think that that's a, that there is power in that. I think that's really interesting. And I, I'm, I'd actually be curious to investigate like more how, she's relating those, the memes and naps, like how those things kind of work in her mind, like how they work together. Cause those are like, it's, that sounds like, you don't even think of those things being connected, but. Yeah, but they are. I want to talk about another part of your, the, of this that you're involved in because you're curator of this. And so you've kind of put the whole project together, but you are specifically doing a couple of different things here. And one of those is that you are, doing a program for kids with the local library system. So talk a little bit about that if you could. Okay, so the Radical Care Youth Art Project is just giving youth and art, like um, a few collaging supplies and some paint. So, and, and also like suggested prompts about like places and spaces, prompts that 
get them thinking about themselves, feelings, and like how to care for themselves and for the people around them. Mm. Um, and there's something to like a lot of times when when adults are having these conversations, like kids are left out of it, uh, which I guess is better than the past. Like kids were like the history of children is not the best, Uh, but it's more like we leave kids out of like thinking about rest and self care. Not everyone, of course, but like they have to go to school from a certain time at a certain time they have to do like, they're given chore they have the kids have all of these like responsibilities that adults have as well but we're leaving them out of conversations about how Mm. to care for themselves and how to care for their community and so I just wanted to like bring them into the conversation and let them to give them a platform as well to share like how they're feeling and how they think and get them to think about care and all those all those great things and I think that that's such a good thing to, in a way, because like when, you know, growing up, self-care was never like we did, at least in my childhood. And I had a good middle-class childhood. I didn't have like a broken home or anything like that. We didn't talk about care or self-care or anything like that. You know, it was just like, yeah. go to school, get A's, you know, do well in school, just, you know, go to school, go to sports go to do this thing and like like you said none of it was within our control really i mean sure our parents might say oh do you like this or like that if it's a sport or do you want to go here or you want to go there but for the most part our feelings weren't really a part of the discussion no and like this project is you know meant to give give use agency um which they often don't have obviously you're just getting going with this project here but what is the process that people want to sort of get involved? Like how, how are you engaging with kids in the library specifically? Like what is the way that this is manifesting to, you know, get the local community involved? Well, they're given these kits, but also once they make the works, they're encouraged to bring them back to the library so they can have, so we can do an exhibition of the works. So, you know, literally giving them a platform, giving them a space for adults to, to look at what what the kids are doing ah nice right yeah. so like a visual representation of their feelings there yeah nice and so the the kits are available through the 20th so which is which is um the date of your cura- your curator talk as well so we'll, we'll kind of talk about that next year in a second but like so you're encouraging people to to grab these kits at the which what is the light is it the bull street library yeah the bull street library Okay, so the Bull Street Library people can get these kits and engage with this process. And, you know, it's kind of funny because, like, they're also relying upon their parents to, like, take them to go get these kits. So there's kind of, like, this weird dichotomy that's happening there. There is. (laughs) That's kind of funny. But so, and then people can engage, the kids can engage with this stuff and then bring them back. And and then you're going to be curating sort of a second show then. Yeah. And that's going to take place in the library. That's the intention. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we have a great li- that that library is really nice. So that'd be a great opportunity for people. It's very centralized. It's yeah, and it's such a it's such a beautiful space. Um. So let's talk about that uh, that other event that you're involved in as well. And we mentioned the curators talk. So mm-hmm. I'm we're kind of getting like this sort of sneak preview curators talk. And just for our listening audience out there, we have we're sort of ambushing bushing Antonia here. It's the morning after the opening you haven't really had an opportunity to get a lot of response from people yet, but there was the opening last night and obviously you're going to be doing a curator's talk and, and 
sort of talking about some of the things that we're talking about right now. But what has the response been so far? Like, what was the opening night last night? Like, how are people responding to not only this idea, but the work in the show in general? I haven't, honestly, haven't really gotten a sense yet. Mm -hmm. I think people are enjoying it, but I haven't had much conversation um, about it yet. I do have a lot of confidence and faith in this show and all the works that are included. And I will say this morning, I went through and watched all the video art and Mm. cried. Oh, wow. It's such a, like, thinking about, like, all the themes, even, like, not just, like, all the work. It's so, it's so emotional. It makes me so emotional thinking about, like, I was nervous about this show because I'm like, is anyone going to like uh, respond? And then the response that we got is like, everyone is thinking about this thing that I'm thinking about. And everyone, you know, is going through this right now. And it's just in people of all cultures and backgrounds. And it's just like a really, it's really beautiful. And um, I hope people gather that (laughs) from the show, but I haven't had much conversation. Right. Well, let me, so let me ask you kind of about that because you mentioned that, you know, a lot of the sort of impetus behind this was, you know, you mentioned George Floyd and the, the acts of violence um, against people of color by, you know, those in authority really is kind of like economy there. And one of the things I sort of think is interesting and one of the things that why I, I'm glad to be sort of talking about this with you now is that when this social justice movement was being reignited in the early part of 2020, you know, I had a number of artists on who were responding to that in on the radio show and talked to them for the newspaper. And we were kind of like talking about that. And then it felt like almost like people just stopped talking about it. And that's one of the things that I, that I quite frankly, it kind of pissed me off because I sort of feel like we were, we started talking about other things, which, and, and all of this other stuff became like more important when actually the social justice stuff was probably the most important thing but we got all wrapped up in presidential politics and controversy there and all this other stuff. And it almost felt like it totally overshadowed this. And it was kind of hard for that, for the volume of that movement to sustain to a place where people would like make actual change. And there were like a few things that happened, you know, like, like the national football league made a couple of statements and there were like a couple of things. Yeah. But none of it really felt like it made any, there was no, it didn't feel to me like there was any real change. I mean, sure. You know, there were protests and there were people changed their social media profile pics, but like what really changed. And so like, you're kind of bringing the conversation back to a certain extent, but with it from a new angle, just kind of talk about that a little bit, like how you sort of feel about that, because this is something that, you know, as somebody who, you know, pays attention to this kind of thing, it's been a little frustrating for me. And I'm like a white man who, you know, I'm kind of in the most privileged position out there. So, you know, just sort of as, um, you know, as a black curator and as somebody who is really thinking about these things, like just kind of give me a sense of where you're at with, with all of that. So I will so there's also, I did an installation in the space and in the installation, there's a bed. A lot of my work it ha- is about rest and about sleeping. The rest as protest, uh, as a means of protest, has been a theme in my work as well. And the video, there's a video projected, and the video is of the Atlantic, Atlantic Ocean. And, um, and then there's a bubble wrap filter over it, and you can barely see it, but it's me laying in a bed. 
that video was inspired by Brianna Taylor. Mm. So Brianna Taylor, her life was stolen from her on my birthday, oh, um, wow. which their the anniversary is coming up. And it really, the Brianna Taylor thing bothered a lot of people and it, it bothered me as well. And so I, so the video, like her sleep was her, well, her rest was disrupted. She was in her apartment. She was in a place where, she was supposed to be safe in that and everything changed. And so just thinking about the history of black people in this country. And so that's why the Atlantic ocean is a part of it. The video piece is called, so they built ships and the enslaved Africans brought over paint blue paint. Mm. And the, the belief was that evil spirits, evil spirits can't travel through water, but they did on ships. And just thinking like how we got here and how black people and people, which like people who are non-white in this country um, have been treated. It's never been okay. And um, in, in the work that I did in the installation is inspired by, by that. You know, I talked with a number of black artists at the time that the social justice movement was really sort of peaking last year. And one of the things that, that I kind of brought up repeatedly was the Rodney King beating, which I, you know, so I'm a bit older than you. And when I was, I was in high school when the Rodney King beating happened. And I remember when that happened and I lived in an area that was, you know, it was very racially diverse, you know? So for me, it was totally ordinary to be around people of all different types. Like, so it was, it was very diverse. And so I remember at that time, like as a school kid, we were like, we all recognize it was wrong and we're all in, and we're all sort of feeling like this has to stop. Like we need to, like, there needs to be a change here. You know, this is, this is unacceptable. We're not going to, this is, we're not going to let this happen. We were moving from childhood to adulthood. Like we're in high school. And I remember the vibe was, we're not going to let this happen. And then, but that was 27 years ago. So like a generation passed, like, so now it's my generation who are the police officers and who are like in power and it hasn't changed. And that's the thing that's, and I was kind of like illustrating that. And this was sort of what I, I'm kind of getting at here with this. It got to be a big, there was a lot of noise about it, but then it, it kind of died away, just like what happened with Rodney King. And like, are we going to have this happen again in 20 years like and it were just you know it'll be some new platform and like when do you think when do we actually change versus when we all talk about how we need to change and that's the thing that i think is really hard and that's the thing that i think is a challenge that you're sort of addressing with what your with what your work is maybe this is where radical care comes in yeah so we with like white supremacy and capitalism and the way that we grind the way that you know the way that we work it's like we want to like change we want to be radical but then we also have to go to work because we have to keep a roof over our heads and like like we have to like nourish ourselves um we have to sustain and that is what what ultimately what distracts us the most and so we like we get away from it just like the other week like when in texas um, all the things happening in Texas with the blizzard and like 
no one's talking about it anymore. It's over, right? It's, it's over. Like, it's like it didn't even happen. I mean, we're... It just it just keeps happening. Like, all these things keep happening, and we keep forgetting about them because we have to go to work. We have to, like, we have to sustain ourselves. And this system in this country is, like, it's what's doing it. Like, we, nothing has been radical enough. Things have been radical, but not, not enough to sustain movement. And we have to just change our, our way of thinking and our way of like navigating. A really exciting and interesting exhibition. And now I mentioned you're going to be doing, you're going to be doing a curator's talk. So I want to kind of start to round up this interview. If people want to participate in that curator's talk, want to get involved and see that in person, how is the best way for people to do that? How can people kind of engage with that? Go to Sulphur Studios, their Facebook and their Instagram for more information. And that's going to be on March 20th at 2 p.m. And it's at Sulphur Studios on Instagram. It's going to be Instagram Live. So yeah, it'll only be up for 24 hours on Instagram Live. So if you want to check that out, you can do that. And and again, um, Antonia, I know you're a curator here in town and you're very much engaged in Savannah in general, if people are interested in just kind of getting to know more about you and your work and what you're up to, what's the best way for people to do that? Well, I'm very like, I'm very friendly. So you can always email me. <laughs> <laughs> you can always email me. Um, also, my Instagram is Nia B. Lurkin. Um, so you can, you know, interact with me on Instagram. But yeah. That's an awesome handle, by the way. Mia B. Lurkin. That is a good, Thank that's you. a good, uh, I know I'm following you already. I think, I mean, I'm, I'm really yeah. bad at Instagram. I'm like, I'm an old, I'm an old man hustler here. So I don't really, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Antonia, we really appreciate, I know that this is, uh, you know, some of this is really difficult and deep subject matter. And we appreciate your, your openness and vulnerability and talking to our listening audience today and really looking forward to seeing what the response is. And maybe we can catch up again sometime in the future, the next time you've got a project and see, you know, see the, where the progress is, because I, I think this is important and good work and excited to see, you know, where you go from here. So we appreciate you coming on the show today. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate thank talking you. with you. This was, this was really great. That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Art on the Air with your host, Rob Hessler. Listen every Wednesday for our live show, broadcasting from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on 107.5 FM, Savannah Soundings, and worldwide at WRUU.org. And you can catch past episodes on the WRUU station archives on our website, as well as on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. We'll talk to you next week, where we'll have another batch of art on the air. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast 
set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.